y'all would please open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, we will be finishing up this chapter, beginning in verses 46 and ending in uh, verse 52. Now, a few weeks ago, we started to look at Jesus' teaching of the first being the last and the last being the first. Jesus telling the the disciples that if they wanted to make themselves the most, the highest, they needed to make themselves the least and become the servant of all. And here we see the last of this teaching, the last of Jesus going out and serving the lowest of the low. Now this man that Jesus heals is a blind man, yet he has far better sight for what truly matters. You know, sometimes what we see deceives us. Maybe you don't have the full context. Maybe you mistake something or someone for something else. In fact, in courtrooms, uh, eyewitness testimony is often not very highly regarded. First of all, it could be a lie. But secondly, your mind fills in what it thinks it sees. That's why you see all these people saying that there's, there's faces and statues on Mars and the moon. Because our minds are built to see things that aren't there. We see faces. We make ourselves believe things. Our mind fills in the gaps. So our sight is not always dependable. Especially today where somebody can make something on a computer that looks real and sounds real, but is completely fake. A couple weeks ago, it was announced that Ron DeSantis had dropped out of the presidential race and made national headlines. Well, he never actually did. That was a deep fake somebody made with AI. What we see, our sight is not always trustworthy. And our sight does not always lead to faith. Faith and sight do not go hand in hand. And here, Bartimaeus shows that perfectly. That without sight, he was able to recognize who Jesus was. Because he had spiritual sight. Mark 10, verse 46. Now they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Let us pray. Almighty Father, God, I pray that we would have spiritual sight. Lord, as Bartimaeus, even though he did not have physical sight, he lacked the ability to see. 
He was proficient in spiritual sight. Recognizing who Jesus was. Recognizing the miracles that he had done. Recognizing the power that he held. And Lord, having faith in him. God, I pray we would not fall into the temptation to say that unless we can see something, we will not believe it. That only by our sight will we believe things because we know that sight is not always right. God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see what your word has to say to spiritually grasp it and hearts open to receive your good news, Lord. We ask this in your name. Amen. So the first thing that we see in this text is that faith does not come by sight. The blind man had not seen Jesus with his own two eyes. He could not. He was incapable of it. Yet what he says here is astounding. This rivals what we saw in Mark chapter 9, where Peter professed, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah. This, this stands up to that. This matches that. He says, Jesus, son of David. Now, I don't know if you've heard about Jesus' parents. Their names were Mary and Joseph. And uh, Jesus was uh, born of a virgin. David wasn't a part of that. So why is he calling him son of David? Well, first of all, he does come from the Davidic line. He does come from the line of David. But more importantly, in the Old Testament, God had promised David that the Messiah would come from his line. That there would be a king who would rule eternally from David's line. A son of David. And so here he is not just making up some random king and picking that and saying, I'm going to call him this. It is very intentional. He says, Jesus, son of David. In other words, the one that was promised in the Old Testament to come. Heal me. Have mercy on me. This was not revealed to him by the things that he saw. It was not revealed to him because he witnessed a bunch of things, because he spoke with Jesus. It was revealed to him because he had heard about Jesus, because he had recognized the signs. He had recognized all that had been going on in Jerusalem and around this man and recognize that this was not just some random guy it was not just some carpenter he wasn't just some teacher he had to be the son of david that is prophesied about that is spoken of thousands of years ago in scripture it had to be this son of david Sight did not reveal that. He understood that through faith. Next, we see something that is it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking what we see next. Verse 47, he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He makes this great statement of faith. And then 48, then many warned him to be quiet. They told him, hey, hey. Stop talking. Jesus doesn't care about you. You see all these people around here? 
think he's going to stop for that for a blind man? You see, in these days, they assumed that whatever ailment you had, whatever affliction you had, it was because you had offended God. So the blind man, clearly either him or his parents had to have offended God. So do you really think Jesus wanted to pay attention to this guy? That's what they would have been thinking. You have offended God. Jesus doesn't want to hear from you. But the truth of the matter is that he is not blind because he has upset God. He is not blind because his parents had upset God. In the, in the Gospels, there's another story of a blind man who was healed. And the, uh, the, the leaders of the day, the Jewish religious leaders, ask him, was it because of his parents' sin or because his sin that he is blind? And he says, it is not because of either of them, either of their sins, but it is for the glory of God. You see, this, what they viewed as a disability, what they viewed as him being a failure, was intended for the glory of God. Man's favor does not equal God's favor. This man had no favor amongst men. He was, he was the lowest of the low. He was considered to be a disgrace to God. Yet Jesus loved him. Verse 49, Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer. Rise. He is calling to you. Now again, up at the very first verse of this passage, verse 46, it says, As he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, means there's hundreds of people all around him, and Jesus notices this one man that nobody else cared about. Jesus noticed him. And it was not because he was doing the most stuff. It wasn't because he was uh, crying out louder than everyone else. It was because he had the sight of faith. He recognized who Jesus was, and Jesus honored that. Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. The people only stop because Jesus calls for him. You see, Jesus cared about the lowest of the low. Again, if these people, if these people with ailments and afflictions, if they are considered the worst of the worst, then Jesus has no business, business talking to them. Yet all throughout the scripture, we see Jesus talking to the outcast. The person who does not fit into the mold, doesn't fit into the box. He goes and talks to the Samaritan woman. First of all, Jewish people and Samaritans did not talk. That was, that was taboo. Especially a Jewish man and a Samaritan woman, that was that frowned upon. You would be cast out of society in that situation. Yet Jesus went and talked to a Samaritan woman. Lepers came up to Jesus, and if you, if you touched a leper, you were considered unclean because you would have gotten that virus. And so lepers had to continually, if they came up to anybody, shout out, unclean, I am unclean, and go around the person. They could not have physical contact with anybody. Yet Jesus went and held lepers. He talked to them. He spoke to them as 
people. He touched them. He ate with prostitutes and tax collectors who were considered the, the worst of the worst. Jesus continually goes after the outcast. Jesus loves the outcast. Jesus cares for them. That's why Jesus stood still and commanded that this outcast, this blind man, be brought to him. His blindness was seen as a punishment, but Jesus saw it as an opportunity for his glory. It was an opportunity to display his power, his authority, his compassion, and his love. Jesus loves the lowest. So they tell him, be of good cheer, rise, he is calling to you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Well, I think it's kind of obvious, isn't it? I, I mean, that, that seems almost like a redundant question. <laughs> but Jesus wants him to voice his concerns. The blind man said to him, Rabboni, which is what they referred to teachers as, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Now, there were sick people all around. There were demon-possessed people all around. You read through Scripture and you will see plenty of people that are afflicted with some sort of problem. You look in the book of Acts and you see the disciples healing people. There's one person that it says he was at this pool for 30 years in Acts. And the disciples healed him. Well, Jesus had went to this pool. So why didn't he heal him? Well, Jesus has the right timing, but also this man was not just healed because Jesus was in his presence. This man was healed by Jesus honoring his faith. Verse 52, Then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. well based off of Jesus' response, I don't think it's out of line to say that what proved his faith, what proved to be the healing factor was that he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. To call somebody this, to call somebody son of David, it, again, it bore that implication that this is the Messiah. That was enough to get you sentenced to death if the right people were around. Jesus was sentenced to death because he claimed to be the Messiah. If they didn't punish this man with death, they would certainly at least have punished him some way if they had heard him say this. He would be labeled a heretic because he professed Jesus to be the son of David, the Messiah that would come. Yet here we see him boldly proclaiming that, placing all of his faith not in the temple, not in the priests and the leaders of the day, but in Jesus Christ. Now friends, let me tell you that Jesus is still in the miracle working business. That does not always mean that he will give you what you want. That does not always mean that 
If you have any sickness, it will be immediately taken away. But what it does mean is that Jesus is fixing what is truly wrong, what is truly the problem. And the problem that we all face is sin. The problem we all deal with is sin. We have other problems. We have other things going on. I know there is illness in this room. There is uh, broken bones, fractures in this room. There are people who have been through terrible, terrible situations and circumstances in this room. And there are times when God does not offer the healing that we want. But that does not mean that He is inactive. The Bible says to pray, believing that God will do the work, believing that God will uh, fix whatever is wrong. And I can tell you that even if He does not fix something the way we want it to be, He will fix what is the deeper matter, and that is our hearts. When you pray, God's answer may be no. God's answer may not, may not be the thing that we want, but it will always change us. He does not always change our circumstances, but He will change us. Now here, again, this man says, Son of David, have mercy on me. And from his statement of faith, Jesus heals him. Compare that with uh, the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler started out great. He says, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? He calls Jesus good. This is just a few verses earlier in verse 17. Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but the one that is God. Now he should have responded with, you are God. You are the Christ, you are the son of David. But instead, he backs off, and we see that he had a lot of pride, he had a lot of possessions, and he was so focused on those possessions that he could not see. He could not see who Jesus was. At the end, when Jesus tells him to let go of his treasures and build up treasure in heaven, he says, but he was sad at this word, and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. What a, what a contrast that is. Starting out calling Jesus good, but then backing off so that you don't break any social norms. You don't, you don't put your faith in Christ. This man did not put his faith in Jesus, did not express faith in him, and he walked away empty-handed. Yet here, Bartimaeus goes out with complete faith. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Complete faith in Jesus. And then at the end, Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. How powerful is that? But notice that he did not just walk away, turn around and Go back home. No. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. When Jesus redeems you, he does not redeem you to just carry on as you have been living. It's not just, oh, okay, I got my fire insurance, I'm good to go now. 
I can just go keep on living how I want and uh, sinning every way I can. Trusting in Jesus and following Jesus go hand in hand. If you don't trust in Jesus, you won't follow him. And if you don't follow Jesus, you likely don't trust in him. But this man received his sight and followed Jesus. Wherever he was going, that's where he wanted to be. He recognized that his, the little possessions he had did not compare with the glory that was being prepared. He immediately left everything to follow Jesus. We are not blessed by God just to say thanks and walk away. Not just, oh cool, and then out the door. We are redeemed by God for a purpose. We are brought into the family of God to bless others. To be a blessing, to uh, go forth and multiply, to go and spread the gospel across the nations. We are brought into the family of Christ to serve. Just as Jesus told them to become a servant of all, we are also to serve one another, to serve those in our community. We must submit ourselves to God. There are all the time people making a statement of faith and then walking away. Again, that rich young ruler, great statement of faith, good teacher. What he said there was good, but then he walked away. Many people make a great statement of faith. They, they make a profession of faith. Maybe they walk the aisle. Maybe they, they do something good. They say that Jesus is Lord and then walk away. How many times do we see with camps and children's programs that we get floods of people coming down to, this, to the altar and making a profession of faith, and then they never set foot in church, never pick up a Bible, go on living as if they have not met Christ. The mark of a Christian is not that at one point they said a prayer. It's not that at one point they joined a church. not that at one point in time they were baptized. What the mark of a Christian is, is that they continually seek Christ. They stumble, and then they get back up, and they follow God. They persevere. They keep going. They don't just give up. A Christian is one who follows Jesus. You see, many people, if you ask them how they know that they're a believer, they'll say, oh, back when I was uh, five years old, I said a prayer at church. Okay, where, are you, where, where do you go to church? I haven't been in years. Well, what, what, what are you reading in your Bible? What, are you doing a devotional? I think I have one. Um, it's in storage up in the attic. I have a nice one that's on my, my mantle, but, you know, we just keep it there. It looks nice. Many people make a profession of faith and then walk away. One statement 20 years ago is not proof of salvation. The proof of salvation is that even when you stumble, even when you fall, even when you get knocked down, you continue to seek Christ, continue to follow Him. We will not be perfect. We will still sin. We will still fall and fail at times, but keep getting up. Jesus knew that you would 
stumble. Jesus knew that you would sin. Jesus knew what would happen. But he has not called us to new life just to abandon us when the road gets tough. Jesus will not abandon us from stumbling. Jesus will continue to be there. The only time that the only time that that may be lost, that hope may be gone, is someone who makes some profession of faith. Not a true belief in God, but just some profession of faith and then never walks with the Lord again. On Wednesday, we spoke about missions and evangelism. And one of the things that I I tried to drive home was that the end goal is not somebody walking down the aisle. The end goal is not somebody saying a prayer or making a profession of faith. That's the starting line. That is the starting line of discipleship and faith in God is that initial being born again moment. The race is what happens after that. The race is that walking with Christ, that growing in Christ. That is the Christian life. And we need to be there for one another. We need to be there to help each other. Just as this person walked with the disciples and walked with Jesus, we need to walk with Jesus and walk with other disciples, other people who are following God. We must be with him. And we must be with one another. So friends, have you ever felt like you are the lowest of the low? Are you worried that Jesus won't accept you? That maybe you're too far gone, too wicked? Well, the fact of the matter is that Jesus loves the lowest of the low. Jesus says that a broken and contrite spirit, he will not turn away. God loves those who are broken, who are hurting, who feel as though there's no hope. God will give you hope. And are you looking for someone who can walk beside you? Somebody who can persevere with you? Somebody who can, uh, you can make mistakes with and grow up together with one another, mature with one another, hold another accountable? Well, Pilgrim's Rest would be a great place to do that. So as the Lord leads, if you need prayer, you need to give your life to the Lord, if you would like to join the church, you just come down to the altar. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for all that you are. God, I thank you that you have not demanded perfection because we could never deliver. But Lord, I thank you that you have only asked of us faith. The faith to say that Jesus is the Son of David, the Messiah. He is our one hope. And to put our trust in Him. God, I pray that everybody here would place their faith in God. And if they do know you, that they would grow in that faith, grow in relation to you. Father, I pray that you would just have your hand over this congregation. Lord, I thank you for the growth that we have seen and pray for continual growth 
continual devotion to you, that we would continue to grow in our love for you and our love for other people. I pray this in your name. Amen.